Get ready to challenge conventional beliefs about what's possible in creating health, wealth, and happiness. You are listening to Playing on the Edge Radio with Megan Edge. This hit show is providing you with ways of sustaining radical and powerful changes in your life. It is time to open and expand your awareness, accelerate your well-being as Megan shares wisdom, teachings, and experience from a lifelong journey of the heart. Enact the power of radical change with ease and lift your desires to a new perspective. Now, here's Playing on the Edge Radio. Everybody, welcome, welcome. Playing on the Edge Radio with me, Dr. Pat. I get to do this fabulous show with the most amazing Megan Edge, Radical Change with Ease, on the edge of empowerment. Mm-hmm. On the edge of empowerment, right? When I say that, like on the edge of empowerment, the feeling that I get, right, about that is you're not quite there. Or you're there and you're on the edge of moving from empowerment to disempowerment. Today, we're going to talk about the E word. What does empowerment mean? And not from the generic, let's use it as a buzzword. This is Megan talking with us about living our lives from that place, about understanding our emotions from that place about training our mind to be in that place, regardless of what's going on in the outside, on the inside, upside, downside, and every which way. Megan, this is one of those, I, this is one of these shows that when you talk to people who either think they're empowered, but they're not 100% sure, or they feel they're empowered, but yet almost the next thing that comes out of their mouth is how stuck they feel they are. Isn't this the conundrum? It is the conundrum, Pat. And it, what, something that you just said really struck a chord for me, which was empowerment from the inside, from the outside, from the side by side, all the different places that it can come from. But ultimately, it has to come from the inside. This is the, the piece around the healing work that I do in creating space to empower others to understand who they are, what their potential is, what their capacity is, how it is that they can show up as themselves, as the best version of themselves, comes from this place of internal empowerment. And it's really taking the word power and adding the empathy piece to it, the the EM at the beginning. So empathy power, it's feeling that internal sense of powerful, not power over others, but a real sense of power within. And then looking at where does this sense of within power come from for each person? And really it's the cornerstone of the work that I do is my desire to help people learn how to help themselves so that they're not dependent on me or anybody else to have a good day. They have the tools, they have the capacity, they know and understand that they have an intrinsic right to feel that internal power and to step into their day each day coming from that place. Instead of coming from a place of doubting, 
their worth and doubting their abilities and doubting what they deserve in life. Right, right. You know, doubting, doubting, doubting. So look, doubting means that you're not in faith. Doubting means that you're, you don't trust something, right? Mm-hmm. A lot of times when we're doubting, we're doubting ourselves, right? You I know, we're I'm not right. saying, you know, you know, Megan, I, I doubt whether it's going to rain today. Why do I doubt whether it's going to rain today? Because I just looked at the weather forecast for what's going on here in the Pacific Northwest and up by you. Mm-hmm. And what we realized is we are literally in our summer. So I can safely say, you know, I doubt whether it's going to rain today, but that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about all these little mind games we play with ourselves that build this pathway to disempowerment. Mm-hmm. And I think for some people, they've never actually known what it feels like to feel empowered. Perhaps yeah. they grew up in a household where they were always wrong, where mm-hmm. there was a very critical parent or very critical parenting. They didn't have an environment that fostered their own ability to make up their own minds about things and have that choice and that decision supported by the adults around them. And so they really end up growing up in an environment of doubting themselves and constantly questioning the validity of their choices, the value of their choices, the way in which they show up in the world. And ultimately that comes down to this very tiny place in their body, this very core belief, this limiting belief about what they're worth. Yeah. You know, right now in this country, the United States here, in this country, we are having a, what I call a silent conversation. I say it's silent because it's silent for a moment. And uh, I think it will pick up momentum, but we are having a conversation in here where millions of people right now across the board are feeling a sense of disempowerment. Mm -hmm. And it has to do with the way the laws are changing in the state uh, about abortion, but it also has to do with the belief that the the constitution uh, that put Roe v. Wade into effect will be changed. And so this is not a conversation about what you believe spiritually, religiously, ethically. This is really a conversation about who will control me. And if you don't feel like you are having a sense of how to make important decisions in your life about anything, you are entering a state of disempowerment, right? Absolutely. And what seems to be happening from my observing down mm-hmm. south, um, and certainly in other parts of the world as well, is yeah. this legalization of disempowerment, where we're actually taking away rights that were already established and fought for that should be intrinsic human rights from half the population and saying you no longer have a say, control, or decision making over your own body and your body's processes. Mm-hmm. And there's a, there's a term that I'm gonna put it out there today and I hope it's something that you and I will be able to talk about in future shows. But what it really feels like to me is that there is a war on women from all walks yeah. of life, all shapes and sizes. I don't care what color you are, what religion you are. It's happening, it's real, it's a huge backlash to a very strong movement 
that's occurring around the world of women stepping into empowerment, women entrepreneurs, mothers, um, CEOs, religious leaders, women around the world are saying, um, us now, listen, pay attention, we have important things to say, we have important things to contribute, we matter, we are half the population, we're actually a little bit more than half the population. <laughs> um, We've got something to say, and, and this, this movement is incredible, what's happening around the world. And the backlash that's happening is so obviously outrageous that it boggles my mind that, that there isn't more, more, I don't know what, marching, more letters to the editor, more standing up on the soapbox and yelling and saying enough already, enough of this already. This is ridiculous what we're doing here. Yeah, I, I think that's the part that I'm a little bit shocked about myself. Um, uh, and I have a, an idea about it, and I'd like to run it your way. Okay. Um, I don't know that there is a clear understanding about what's at risk for women. And let me tell you why. I was joking with you the other day we were talking, and I don't know if it was Jessica I was talking with or somebody but it was somebody of a younger generation. And I brought up the ERA and in a conversation with these ladies, right? Mm -hmm. They thought I meant the gun people, the NRA, oh. right? And yeah. they thought I was talking about guns. You know, 20 minutes into the conversation, I'm talking about one thing, they're talking about guns. They think I'm talking, and I said, no, 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 not the NRA, not gun, no, not about guns. The ERA, the Equal Rights Amendment that yeah. didn't pass for women, right, decades yeah. ago to give women equal rights. And they looked at me and they said, what are you talking about? Of course we have equal rights. And I had a moment, Megan, where mm -hmm. I thought, okay, Pat, what you're about to say is going to be really, really important. Right. And I thought, am I that out of touch? And what I realized is that part of what you're talking about, about this global movement to disempower mm -hmm. is even built in to the lack of messaging to educate and inform women in this country do not have equal rights. No, they don't. End and they don't story. They don't in Canada either. We yeah. have many, many rights. Absolutely many, many rights. I didn't know that about Canada. Well, we have the same wage gap that you have down south. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of, when you say silent, you used the word silent earlier, and it is a silent war in a lot of ways because we're talking about centuries of culturalization. We're talking about almost a cellular memory of the last three or 400 years, at li literally since the Inquisition and the, and the witch burnings. And there's an entire history or her story. You remember we were talking about this in one of our very first shows together. Mm -hmm. We were looking at where is the story? Where is the information? You know, where is that story that is ours? And, and it's there, but we have to look for it. And what I find shocking is that in the education system up here that my two daughters are going through right now, they're not learning about emancipation. They're not learning about any of the women's movements. And there have been many, especially since the French Revolution in European society, but globally, they're not learning about it. It's this silent pushing aside of 
all of this information that demonstrates women and the men who love them coming together and saying, this is not okay. We're not going to stand for this anymore. You know, it's yeah. all the marching that you and I did in our, in our younger years. Yeah. I did the take back the night marches in Halifax. I was in the women's studies program there. One of their first graduates at Dalhousie. I was out on the street saying enough already. And my girls don't know anything about that. And, but what they do know, Pat, and this is where I want to bring it around to something really positive. When your most recent president was elected, there was a huge global uproar of women and the men who support them getting together in cities around the world in tens and hundreds of thousands of people wearing those fun pink hats with the, <laughs> the cat ears on them. And we, my daughters and I were sitting watching the television the morning that that event was happening. And we saw the footage of the coverage of our city and where it was occurring and where people were gathering. And I said, girls, we have to go. So we did, we went down, they, they put on their hats. We met up with my stepmom. There was a whole group of us. This was their first experience of people coming together in vast numbers, in a state of empowerment to say, no, we're not okay with this. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And it was about, it was about what was happening to women, but it was also about what's happening all over the place for so many different kinds of movements, so many different efforts to create a sense of equality in our world so that we don't have these situations like what you are experiencing down in the U.S. where some of your states are revoking health and well-being rights that existed that were fought for and that are now being yeah 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 okay. let's go to the let's do this let's go to the phone uh tim is calling in he's got a question a question for us too about vision and abortion i i'm glad tim you're asking this let's bring tim on hi tim hi tim hi there uh, you just tied women's rights into the right to get an abortion so what would you say for the 47 percent of women in the u.s who are against abortion for their ability okay, the, to easy perfect i love it let me just tease apart the two things right for a minute um one, we're talking about the ERA, which is the Equal Rights Amendment. So I just want to separate these because these are not the same. Okay, would you agree to that, Tim, for a moment? Yeah, it's two separate topics. Five minutes ago, you were talking about uh, the restrictions on abortion rights. Right, but let, let's just separate this. The Equal Rights Amendment is not, has never passed. It's getting ready for its 100th year, I, I hate to say anniversary, 100th year anniversary that has to do with um, equal rights for women across the board. So that's just it. So put that aside, because it sounds like your question is about abortion. Yeah, you're doing the political thing. You're answering the question I didn't ask. Yeah, but, but tell me the question, because I'd love to ask. I'd love to answer it for you. Okay. So you tied women's rights into the ability and access to get an abortion. However, by poll statistics, 47% of women are against abortion, at least in the United States. Yes. So what do you say to those women who seek their empowerment but agree that, or for their own beliefs, believe abortion is immoral and murder? Yes. I will tell you what. Uh, you, did you see the poll that says while those women are against abortion, they are also pro having the right to decide what happens to their body. This is an interesting conversation. As a matter of fact, I'm actually going to cover this in my noontime show uh, on Thursday. 
But here's the thing that crosses a line. Can I tell you about it um, for a minute? Uh, yeah, I'm it's eager for one, your response. Yep. It's one thing to be talking about a law. But do you know what the state of Missouri just did? Are you familiar yeah. with what Missouri is doing? So here's I, what I'm they're doing. I'm generally aware of the states okay. such as Missouri, Alabama. Yeah, just Missouri. Mass. Alabama didn't do this. My folks are from Alabama. They didn't do it. This is just Missouri because Missouri was the last one to get in the game. But here's the precedence. There is a fine line with everybody's rights, everybody's rights, your rights and my rights. And there's a fine line. And this is all we're saying to look at. We're not talking about whether we're pro-abortion or not. Today's show is about how women feel disempowered when they don't have control of their body. So here's what's happening. And, and I'm going to give you a real situation. And I, I apologize that I can't mention the woman's name. But if you saw her on TV, you'd know her. In Missouri, here's what's happening. Woman goes to get an abortion in Missouri. The woman has been raped four times. She has gone to go to the only abortion clinic left in Missouri, which will probably shut down. So she goes through everything that is being asked of her, everything, all of the doctor reports, all of the above. She's meeting all the criteria. So here's what Missouri just did. And I don't think this has anything to do with abortion. What they added to the process is beyond that first pelvic exam. And I don't know if you're familiar with what women go through for a pelvic exam. And I will talk about the details of that on Thursday. But she went through that. And what Missouri then said is, no, you have to go through a completely next pelvic exam that has no health implications, that has nothing to do. So you see, we're not really talking about whether you believe in abortion or not, because I actually haven't expressed my feelings about it, and I am Christian. And so I'm talking about what the law does to disempowered women. So here, imagine this, if this were a loved one of yours or a child, and maybe you wouldn't have them go through this. But any, any man or woman, and by the way, there's a, there's a, a talk to put men through this. This is what happens. A woman that has been violated multiple times and now hasn't been touched by anybody since that violation sits through one very traumatic exam. Thank God, a loving exam. Barely gets through it. And now she has to go through it again. And these pelvic exams are invasive. They're painful. They don't administer drugs for them. And this is really what we're talking about. You know, we're not even talking about abortion. We're talking about disempowerment. And there's nothing more painful if you have a woman that has been raped or sexually abused to sit on a table, open your legs 18 inches wide and having doctors stick medical things up your vagina, stick their hands up your vagina for no reason at all. That's what we're talking about today. That's what we're talking about. A flaw in there. By Planned Parenthood's own, own statistics, less than one in 500 
abortions are sought because of rape. So you're using that one in 500 most dramatic example to leverage the other 499. Actually, we're not talking about abortion at all. We're talking about how women feel disempowered. I think what we're really speaking to, Tim, is choice. And if a woman chooses to not support abortion for herself, and that's a choice that she makes for herself, that's completely fine. She has an absolute right. That is her empowerment to say, this is not something that I would choose to do for myself under any circumstances, no matter what they are. Five minutes ago, you were talking about how women's rights are being negated because abortion is being uh, restricted. That's what you said like 10 minutes ago. Do we have to replay the tape? Uh, well, you could replay the tape. I mean, if if that's your case. But as I said before, we're talking about two things. And by the way, just so you know, even if the Equal Rights Amendment were to pass, it would have nothing to do with Roe versus Wade. It would have absolutely nothing to do with it. We're talking about a completely different law, right? It's a uh, yeah, totally I why you keep different on bringing up ERA. That's the ERA. not the subject. I'm sorry. Yeah, I wonder why you keep on bringing up the ERA. That's not the topic. Well, that's what I decided to talk about. I mean, I, I was well, talking about the ERA. Your thesis in your call was is that women's rights are being restricted when abortion is being restricted. So, uh, And so you still have an answer. So what about for those women who are against abortion? Then they don't have to have an abortion. That's their choice. That's well, well, their what empowerment. Well, well, that's what we're well, and about. what if they're politically active against abortion? Or are they against women then? Well, let, let me get something a little bit more basic about it. So let me take the personalized view about abortion, because I have my own view about it. And you probably will be shocked to hear what, what I say about it. But here's the thing. We have a law, a federal law. It's called Roe versus Wade. We have a law. Mm-hmm. And from a constitutional perspective, do you think that law is being upheld? Just constitution-wise. I, I, yeah. I think it's a law. I think what we're debating now are the boundaries of the law. But do you think the boundaries of the law are being, are being upheld? Uh, right? For the most part, yes. Well, I'd like how, to throw a question out, if I may. Can I interrupt for a moment? Sure, sure. And then we're going to have to go to break. So, yes, please. I'm wondering what, and, and I put this out to everyone who's listening, what would be the one thing that could be taken away from you that would create the most experience for you of feeling disempowered? Mm, Good question. And just to think about that from a place of your own personal um, thoughts of, of your own rights, of your own entitlements, of what matters and what's important to you, what would have to be taken away, i.e. made illegal for you to do or to have or to participate in for you to get a sense of what it feels like to be disempowered. And, and I don't need an answer from anybody right now, but just to have that question in mind when we get into these very emotional places where we start to get into beliefs and morals and values of which we feel very personal and very protective of, yeah. and, and putting that on somebody else, bring it back to yourself. What would have to be taken away from you for you to feel disempowered, mm-hmm. for you to feel like you had something to fight for to get it back? Mm-hmm. Yeah, let's take a break. And that is a great question to talk about. Uh, Thank you for calling in. And, you know, if you really want to chat more about it, tune in to my noontime show on this, where we're actually going to get down to statistics, information, and the latest abortion surveillance report 
because that is going to be around the law. We'll be right back. People often ask, what does it mean to thrive? On Thrive by Gen Radio, it means body confidence, mind fulfillment, and soul synchronicity. Create synchronicity with God and learn as Jen shares action steps and real stories that will inspire you to be unstoppable in fulfilling your purpose. Tune in live each Monday at 8 a.m. Pacific on TransformationTalkRadio.com and visit JenniferZellup.com to thrive with Jen. Are you ready to branch out? Take a leap of faith. Then tune in to Get Rooted Radio with Erica Gifford Mills on TransformationTalkRadio.com every second and fourth Thursday at 9 a.m. Pacific to equip, empower, and enlighten yourself. Erica will energize and excite you to power up your passionate dream that sets your soul on fire. So get fearlessly ready and get powerfully rooted in your yes to live it up, love it up, and let it go to ignite the life you deserve. Visit GetRootedRadio.com and tune in. Learn to live in the light and unveil the authentic you with a time of healing radio with me, Felistiana, on TransformationTalkRadio.com. Tune in every third Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific as I help listeners understand sacred fusion energy and how to connect to the spirit that fuels the very life we live. Explore the journey of spiritual transcendence and ultimately discover the path to peace, love, purpose, and wholeness. For more information, visit atimeofhealing.com. Sometimes being human has its challenges. Our physical health falters, our spirits sag, our dreams don't immediately come to fruition. Welcome to the power of Maximum Medicine Radio. Join me, Doc Martin, in conversations that will blow your mind about healing. In our hit show, Doc Martin addresses the scientific with bridging to the mystical approaches to give you a new narrative about Maximum Medicine. In this live call-in show, we will journey into the extraordinary genius of the human body and talk about other beliefs that impact being your multidimensional self. We seek the seen and the unseen and explore the earthbound and the otherworldly, all with the purpose of calling forth the maximum you. To learn more about Doc Martin and Maximum Medicine, visit www.SharonMartinMD.com. It's time to get your life back on Burn Bright Today with Jennifer Marcinelli. Tune in each month on TransformationTalkRadio.com. Learn to move from the darkness of burning out to the light of burning bright. Jennifer is redefining stress and the energetic causes of burnout, shining a light on process to get your life back. For more information about Jennifer and her work, visit BurnBrightToday.com. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. Welcome back. Uh, One of the things that I want to just make very, very clear on today is that we're talking about empowerment. And yes, uh, we did get into a conversation about disempowerment and the law, and it had to do with an example of reproductive rights, right? We did get that. And I really thank our caller for calling in. And I just want to clarify because I'm getting a lot of text messages on this from people who want to give me data. So let me just clear it up for me. So I want to just give you information from one group that talks about research centers on religion and public life project. So that was data that was done. And there is more data out there. 
So I just want to be very clear what people say from the data on, on abortion, not from my opinion, not from anything else. So here it is very quickly. Uh, summary of use. In 2018, public support for legal abortion remains high as, as, as it's been. So a key word, legal. They're not talking about what's my personal view. They're talking about law. And so here are the numbers that come from this study, and there are two others like it. And I'm sure they're going to be off by a 3% margin. 58% say abortion should be legal in all or most cases, while 37 say it should be illegal in all and most cases. And that's what we're talking about today. You know, we're talking about how does one feel disempowered, right? And so this particular um, survey has every group, every bit of information, how people feel. This is a question that's an opinion poll. It doesn't mean that they are saying that uh, I think that, oh, my God, it's, it's, it's horrific. Because this particular report, right, um, it is very clear that there are religious implications for this topic. We're not talking about that today. What we're talking about is a level of disempowerment that men and women feel. Men and women feel. Now, in the case in the example I gave of this woman in Missouri, I will say this, the woman herself could not speak out. It was her husband that did. I mean, boy, this makes me cry. And somebody said this a long time ago to me. They said that it's not going to be the women that stand up for women. It's going to be the men. And it is her husband that has spoke out. But clearly, minds are changing. I was brought up as Catholic. And I will say, last statistic I'm going to share, you can go to pewforum.org. Pewforum.org. And, and, and one of my relatives sent me this and said, have you seen the latest information on Catholics? And I said, like what? And so Catholics are divided, as we are at every sit-down, dinner table, family gathering, social media tweeting. 51 now say that abortion should be legal in all or most cases, and 42 say it should be illegal. And so what we're talking about here is getting at the core of what makes men and women live in a life of complete empowerment. And I want to just comment about this woman that I cannot disclose her name. Um, but I will say this, that the level of disempowerment came from and comes from husbands, boyfriends, brothers, sisters, comes from everybody. We just happened to bring up a topic that's a little bit of a hot button. And we are not talking about religious beliefs, as Megan and I have both said. You know, we are not talking about our religious belief. You know, what we believe religiously um, is not about today's topic. But I will tell you this. Everyone here should take hold of the question. 
that Megan asked. And I think the question that you ask is a powerful one because when you ask parents that question, the number one issue that comes back from an emotional and psychological perspective is a feeling of unsafeness for their children. Mm -hmm. I mean, that is disempowerment. To have your child go to school and not be sure that your child will come home. This is really what we're talking. We just happened to pick a, a topic from the headlines today, I think. Mm -hmm. Well, we picked a topic that uh, has a lid on it that's coming off in a very, very dramatic way. Yeah, and I thanked him for calling in mm -hmm. because, you know, Elizabeth Warren said something the other day, um, and uh, I, it was, I can't remember the, the, the other uh, congressperson uh, from my mom's home state in the South. And what she said was, look, we've got to have dialogue. We've got to sit down and understand each other. We've got to have a, a, a conversation about how each of us feels and ask ourselves, are we willing to hear each other? Mm. And if you really believe strongly in something, then you get out in the world and do something. And that's actually how this started. We were talking about sort of the silence around a number of different issues. And I do want to get back to that. Mm -hmm. You know, this idea of disempowerment has nothing else to do with law. It has to do from a feeling, as you call it, the I am not enough syndrome, right? Well, that's right. And ultimately at the bottom of a sense of disempowerment is that idea of what what am I good enough for? Um, and regardless of what your experiences are, your traumas, your stories, your successes, you're going to be experiencing either disempowerment or empowerment through the filter of what you do, what you believe to be true about yourself. So when you and I were talking before the show, that that time that we get together to set these these shows up, we talked about we created a new syndrome. And this is the I'm not enough syndrome. And I see it all the time. I see it all the time in my clients. I see it in my students. Some people know it as the imposter syndrome, where you feel like you're just spinning your wheels and pretending to be somebody that you're not. And God forbid anyone should see who you really are, because what would happen then? And what I would love to see happen, regardless of your story, is an understanding start to bloom in people that they absolutely are good enough, no matter what anybody else says about them, no matter what other people's judgments might be of them, and even their own judgments, that somewhere in the core, in the core of each of us, there is this knowing and understanding that we are good people, and we are good enough, and we are more than good enough to be able to experience good things in our lives. You know, good things happen to good people. What if good things happen to all people? And what would that do to switch off the I'm not good enough syndrome into, damn it, I'm awesome. And let that be part of the way in which you step into the world. And what it ultimately comes down to, I believe, Pat, and, and I think this ties back into our caller's question, is it's really about how you choose to think about yourself and how you choose to show up in the world in, in strength or in, in weakness. And then to look at where does that come from in the first place? You know, what can we do to build somebody up who has convinced themselves perhaps over their entire lifetime 
that they're not good enough? What can we give them that would make a difference for them that they could start building themselves up again? Because mm-hmm. I really do believe that if we were all walking around with a strong, healthy sense of ourselves, there'd be a lot less need to be right and make other people wrong. Because that's all, that's where the disempowerment comes in, right? In the not, in the needing to make somebody else wrong in order to make yourself feel right or righteous. When we think about this, when we're starting to look at you know, feelings that we have about not being enough, this shows up in all areas of our lives. Mm -hmm. I mean, it shows up whether or not you're going to be able to sit down and ask your boss for a raise or whether or not uh, there's something that you may fight for in a grocery store about a price that's not correct. I mean, this this is a wide range when we're talking about this. You know, we're talking about different aspects of empowerment and what that means, Mm -hmm. right? We're not simply talking about how do we stand up in the face for other people, other places, other countries, other things, but how are we going to show up for ourselves, right? And one of the hot buttons on this, which doesn't get talked enough about, is the level of worthiness, Mm -hmm. right? Am I worthy of going to the person at the register and saying to them, you overcharged me Mm -hmm. Um, or walking into my boss and letting my boss know that there is something that is not okay that just happened at a meeting between an exchange between the two of us. This is the range. And if you look at them individually, not a big deal. But this is not about that. This is about a pattern, a pattern of not enough syndrome. That's right. And it's, it's asking the question, well, what is enough? Yeah. Or right. what if you are good enough? Right. <laughs> what if you are good enough? <laughs> That's a really empowering question. When you turn it around from I'm not good enough, and then you switch it up to, but what if you are? What if you are good enough? Or even to take it to a place of, but is it true that you're not good enough? And this is the work that I do when I help people with their core limiting beliefs. We go through a process of identifying a fear, a belief that they're holding on to about themselves that isn't healthy, like I'm not good enough. And we start asking a series of questions. Well, what is the worst thing that could happen if you're not good enough? Well, people won't respect me. Okay, then what's the worst thing that would happen if people don't respect you? And when we take that questioning all the way down to the deepest place where we end up finding the source of that I'm not good enough syndrome, Mm -hmm. where is it coming from? And when we find that core limiting belief, like it may be, I'm not, I wasn't wanted. That might be the core belief. Maybe you, you were told your whole life that you were a whoopsie baby and mom and dad weren't planning on you and you've internalized that to mean that you actually weren't wanted and that's the core limiting belief. Then we question it, we ask, is it true that you're not wanted? And what we're looking for is to get to a point where the person can say, no, it's not true. I am wanted. And to start to build that back up to a place where the person can begin to see evidence 
of where in fact they are wanted instead of only seeing the evidence that they suppose means that they're not wanted. And it creates this cascade shift effect all the way down to the cellular level from the spiritual to the energetic to the emotional. It creates a sense of empowerment. The person stands up straighter and says, I am wanted. And in that moment, in that statement, everything shifts. And even when there are big things going on that are beyond your control, like laws that are being made, you can still do the inner personal work to create a, a well of strength within you that allows you to move into the challenge of having your voice heard from a place of empowerment. Mm. When you're able to really question these core beliefs and really get to the, to what, with the source of them and discover whether they're actually true or not. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think that's part of what's healthy about today's show. Um, and it definitely is healthy about the new show that I do. And, and I use the word healthy in the way that, you know, I learned healthy to mean. And that is, can we sit down and have a conversation and understand each other better? Right. You know, can we sit down and come to a place of commonality? Right. Mm -hmm. You know, can we do that? You know, what's fascinating about all of this is when you break it down and you really look at it. And, and again, I'm going to stay with the topic that we had, because this is a topic that from a, from an emotional point of view, I, I really had to understand for myself. And when you look at asking people, you know, do you think uh, that, that abortion should be legal? They ask them three ways, under any circumstances, under certain circumstances, or legal and all. And so what they found is they're trying to understand this. The poll is split now between pro-life and pro-choice. But when asked about the legality, and this is where women and empowerment conversation comes in, this is where the understanding comes in. Even though 50-50 split, why then wouldn't all 50 jump in and say it should be illegal? And it doesn't. See, because this is a bigger conversation that we need to have. Mm -hmm. This is a conversation which may, may talk to the point about a law that was done ages ago that maybe some things have changed to rethink it, right? This is about understanding now what we know and how we should make informed decisions. And being able to have information and conversations, it's at the pillar of empowerment, mm -hmm. right? Because for me, I'm trying to understand my own feelings. Others are trying to understand their feelings. And then we're trying to understand at a global level. Because once you take the look and say, wait a minute, if you all said this, if 50% and 50%, then why on the legality of something didn't you vote the same way? And that's how we understand it better. Because when you think about it, out of that 50%, only 18% said it should be legal in all circumstances. And so that is a point to understand. With empowerment, Having a voice, but having an educated and informed voice is part of what we're talking about as well, isn't it? It is. And we're also talking about what questions are we asking? Exactly. 
talk, what's coming to my mind is perhaps we're going around in circles yeah. because we're not asking the right question. Yeah. And for me, that comes back down to a place of fear. What are people so afraid of if women have reproductive rights? I mean, just to bring it all the way back to what we were talking about at the mm -hmm. beginning, what are you afraid is going to happen if women have rights over their reproduction? What is the fear that is fueling the debate around whether abortion should be legal or illegal? Because that's actually not the right question, whether it should be or it shouldn't be is irrelevant. It's what's fueling that question in the first place. And that, yeah. for me, it always comes back down to a fear. What are you afraid of? Mm -hmm. What's the worst possible thing that could happen if women are empowered, if children are empowered, if people of color are empowered, if people all over the world are empowered, what's the worst thing that could happen, right? These are actually the questions that I think we need to be asking around this conversation of empowerment and disempowerment. What, what are people so afraid of? Those people who say women shouldn't have access to abortion if they need to or want to. What are they afraid is going to happen if those women do, right? And we can, you can apply that to any population. What are people so afraid of that's going to happen? Is it going to be anarchy? What? I don't think so. <laughs> I think what will happen is that we'll all get along a whole lot better because we won't be racing to be right at the expense of somebody else's ideas or beliefs. Instead, we can have that conversation that you're talking about, Pat. Yeah. And again, I had to spend so much time educating myself about this because my own, my own feelings were torn. You know, I spent time trying to understand where are people coming from? And, and I, I can't help it. I'm an analyst and, you know, sometimes the numbers speak, sometimes they don't. But you get to understand it. You know, you get to see what happens when you ask different questions. Like, what happens if a woman's life is endangered? How do you feel, you know, about that? And when you start to get those numbers back, and I will be talking about this in detail on Thursday, because when I read you these numbers about what the polls actually say about when a woman's life is in danger, when the woman's physical health is in danger, when the woman's mental health is in danger, when there is evidence that the baby may be physically impaired, you know, when there is all of this, all of this, people have an opinion. But I will tell you this one last thing. When asked the question, when the pregnancy was caused by rape or incest, 75% of the population, 75, mm -hmm. 75 said it should be legal. Mm -hmm. And when we look at that, then what if we did take public opinion and said, look, let's look at the situation. You know, what is the pain of our decisions? You know, and I'm not just talking about this, you know, growing up, I have seen more situations on some folks deserving a job and not getting a job, other people not deserve. I mean, there's so many situations that affect empowerment or disempowerment. Even the fact that in a show like this, you can feel comfortable calling into this show. Mm 
even if the opinions are not all aligned between the three of us, and there is not going to be a producer on the end of the line that hits the button to cut you off so you can't be heard. Or even if I'm talked to in a way that I don't appreciate or you're talked to, I over a 15-year period, there's only one time that Benny hit the button that I could think about, right? In about 15, maybe two. But this is really a level of empowerment. And I really feel great that Tim felt he could call in the show and express his opinion. That's what we're talking about. That's what we're talking about. If we can't create a, an equal basis for us to share ideas, maybe change some minds, maybe change my mind, Tim. If we can't do that, then what does it say about who we are and the place we live? Do you know what I mean? I do. And the two words that are coming into my mind, Pat, are voice and choice. That's it. And maybe that's the name of the next show. I don't know. Voice and choice. It's about having a voice and it's about being able to make choices. Those choices that are in your highest good and feeling like you are supported in making those choices. There's something else that just popped into my mind. Mm -hmm. But the question that I asked earlier in the show about what would be that one thing that was taken away from you that would create a sense of disempowerment? And tying it back into what we're talking about around reproductive rights, just for a moment, suspend all values and morals on the matter. And think about this. If the lawmakers decided that heart surgery is now illegal under all circumstances, how would you feel? What kind of conversation would we be having if it was any other surgery, if it was any other population? right? You have a right to have heart surgery. You have a right to get your arm set if it's broken. There's so many things that we take for granted that we assume are going to be looked after for us if we live in a place where we have that kind of care, that kind of medical care. But this one piece seems so problematic for so many people. And I'm just inviting you to put aside the morals and the values for a moment and see if you can make that comparison. How indignant might you feel if somebody said to you, nope, it's illegal now. You cannot have heart surgery. We will not save your life. That's it. Mm -hmm. How disempowered would you feel when the ability for you to be healthy is no longer available to you? That you don't get to have a choice in how it is that you are in your body. This body is your biggest embodiment of your empowerment. And there are places in the planet, close to home and far away, where for people in the population, men and women and children, that's not something that they have access to. They don't get to make a choice about that. And ultimately, if we're going to be tying in empowerment in with this subject matter around abortion and, and reproductive rights, that's what we're talking about. And I've been thinking not to be separating the men and the women, but, but in a sense to do that, what could medically be taken away from men what could be made illegal for men like getting their tubes tied or whatever that one's called you know when they get the snip like what if that became illegal and that was no longer an option for birth control for men what would be the debate around that i don't have the answer i just think it would be an interesting way of switching up the conversation 
and putting it in a position that hits home a little more closely instead of an intellectual debate way up here. Well, I have to tell you that I have a friend that is from the Jewish tradition and he is an advocate and I'm not going to get into it here, but I will talk about it Thursday. If you know what happens to Jewish men, right? Mm-hmm. Um, there is a conversation yep. about whether or not the, that is, that act, that act that has been in place for years and years and years, that happens to young male babies mm-hmm. has lasting psychological effects. And Absolutely. I'm going to be talking about that Thursday because there is a situation for men mm-hmm. and maybe not all religions, but there is a situation that really talks to where do we draw the line? Right. Where do we draw the line? When do we say, look, that child has no say in what you're doing to his parts. So how early does the disempowerment begin? Exactly. And so, you know, I think that today we've come around full circle, but the, the thing is when we step back and we look at the world and we look at empowerment for all men, women, children, cross the board, it really is our birthright and it's not always easy to get. And that's the conversation. Megan, thank you for today. How can people find out more about you? Really they, got going here today. <laughs> we did get going here today. Um, they can find me all over the place. You can find me on Facebook under Megan Edge Healing or Megan Edge. You can find me on my website, MeganEdge.ca. I'm on YouTube under Megan Edge Healing. Loads of really beautiful videos to share with you. I'm on LinkedIn. I even have a Twitter account somewhere. Lots of different places you can reach me. Email me. I'd love to hear from people. Let's carry on the conversation. Yeah. Yes. And by the way, thank you for texting me. It's called circumcision for those of you out there that want to look it up. Uh, Megan, thank you very much. Thank you all for tuning us in, turning us on. And again, Thursday at noon on CRN and Transformation Talk Radio, we are going to be talking about empowerment and the law. Uh, And we are going to be talking about circumcision. So all my Jewish friends, call in. Talk to you later. (laughs) You've been listening to Playing on the Edge Radio with Megan Edge. Tune in each month on Transformation Talk Radio and the Dr. Pat Show Network, providing you with ways of sustaining radical and powerful changes in your life. If you've missed any part of this episode or want to find out more about Megan Edge, visit her website at meganedge.ca.